sack Is that all you get for your money? And if that's what you have in mind Yeah, if that's what you're all about Good luck moving up Cause I'm moving out Good morning and welcome to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Mark Carr, team member of the Becky Ivins Real Estate team here with Becky Ivins. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm I'm glad you tuned in. Boy, good morning, Becky. My voice is weak today, isn't it? it it'll get stronger. Have another <laughs> swig of coffee. There you coffee go. Coffee <laughs> solves everything in the morning. That's it my does, philosophy. For sure. So thanks for listening. If you're here with us uh, listening through KTOK, you can call in and be a part of the show by calling 405-840-1000, 405-840-1000. Or if you're listening through the podcast version, anywhere that you can subscribe to podcasts, thanks for subscribing. Well, we have a special guest today, and this is, I love, I, I got up this morning thinking, Scott Hill's going to be there. So, good morning, Scott. Good morning, Becky and Mark. Appreciate you having Scott me on this is, morning. Scott is my favorite home inspector. So, Scott Hill is one of our, if you go to Becky's favorites at BeckyIvans.com, you'll see the that uh, Scott Hill is our favorite inspector. And uh, as Becky always says, you get on the favorites because we've used you a lot and we can trust what you are. One of the things Becky always says, you, she trusts her favorites in her home. Well, I do. I would trust any one of my favorites to be in my home without m- my being present. Mm-hmm. Uh so, I mean, they're honest to start with. That's a good start. But they are experts in their fields. <clears throat> so, uh, Scott is my favorite home inspector. And Scott works with a team. I mean, it's you usually, I've never seen you show up with just one person. No, we usually don't uh, use just one person unless we're just really tied up and have to have, have to have somebody else there. And we never use one person unless it's under 1500 square foot house anything over 1500 square foot we're pretty consistent with having two and then anything over three uh three thousand square foot we generally have at least three i tell you what when my daughter bought her house i think there were five of them but it was a big house yeah it was a big house and by the way i I gotta tell you when we start feeling good about ourselves is uh, when you guys have family members use us for as the inspector uh for your uh a house that's going to be bought by your family that always makes us feel good so thank you for that both of you well you're welcome but that kind of sounded like a maybe i would not be honest with other people (laughs) (laughs) i i definitely you don't get on my favorites list without my using you many times and knowing your integrity nobody pays to be on that list by the way i mean exactly right thank you thank goodness it's the most traveled page (laughs) on my website people that i don't know Go in and use the vendors on that list, and I'm glad you do because you're going to get a good job done. Uh, We're talking today about uh, eight common home inspection issues, and I read an article about this, and I think it was Realtor Magazine, uh, and I thought it was interesting, but independent of this, I've asked Scott to come up with eight common issues. Uh, inspection issues. Yeah, you you did. You asked me to do that, and actually, what I did is I I went back and did a run on our last two hundred and fifty inspections. Oh, wow! And then took the top two 
uh, concerns that develop for each one of the structural component or each one of the components that we come in and instruct from a structural exterior roof, appliance, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, HVAC, and interior. So I just took the top two most common issues and put them in here to discuss today if that's what you all thought was good. I thought that would be a good, good thing. For that's a great at. idea. And if uh, call if you're a listener, you want to call in and tell us what is your biggest concern when it comes to a home inspection? Like, what is it that concerns you the most? Well, and I will tell you that most people uh, that have had home inspections previously are concerned about structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just start there. Okay. Well, number one, uh, as they should be, that's the top ticket or highest priced type thing. And, you know, if we don't, if we ever, and both of you all knew this, if we make a mistake, you know, there's two things we really don't want to make a mistake on. One of them's the structure and one of them's the roof. You know, those two things are really high quality, high ticket items as far as expense. So there's a couple of the two things that I put down for structure. What gets most clients is when they walk around the house and they see huge cracks that are running uh, vertical down the wall. That's obviously gets their attention. That's pretty a, a pretty obvious thing for us. But the things that we see most often is poor drainage either no gutters or no extensions on gutters. And if you don't have good drainage, then eventually it's going to lead to erosion and it's going to be an uneven settlement and you're going to have structural problems. And the second thing is step cracks. And what I mean by that is step cracks are cracks that go in steps and they go in the mortar only, not through the bricks. When we have a uh, structural engineer come over and visit with us, we ask them, what can we do to make sure we don't make errors on structure? And they, say, and they tell us almost consistently, all of them will say, if you have a 36-inch or more straight-line vertical crack that goes through the mortar and through the brick that you can take a quarter and stick into the brick, you need to report it. Put it on the report as bringing in a structural specialist. And so that's kind of the uh, our guideline is what to what we follow. But these things that I mentioned, the poor drainage and the step cracks, those are things that eventually lead to the uh, bigger ticket items. And I'll tell you, we used to have a structure, a, a uh, civil engineer that did home inspections. And his number one thing, I don't think he ever met a house that didn't need drainage correction. <laughs> of course, that's what civil engineers do mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. take care of that kind of thing. And in fact, we're adding on to our house, and we called in a civil engineer because the drainage is, we don't want a problem there. Mm-hmm. And you don't want water to gather. Can I ask you a question about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, is the is it important to turn off your sprinklers during the winter, or should you leave your sprinklers on during the winter? I think it's very important not only to turn them off, but to winterize them, which means you drain all of your lines, get them all drained, turn them off, and don't utilize them until until the next spring. Uh, the reason for that is pipes having the possibility of freezing water, freezing in the pipes, and then they going off the next day. It could bust the pot behind this frozen spot. Well, is how do you keep your ground moist enough to not cause settlement if you turn off your sprinklers? Well, I, I think that we may be talking about two different things. A lot of people, like myself, I have a, have an automatic run. It runs three times a week for 20 minutes or 30 minutes a time. That's what I turn off. Then on warmer days, I may go out or where there's a long, warm stretch where it's been above freezing for 10, 10, 
11 days, and I may go out and turn it on myself. But as far as have it on, on a regular cycle, I, w- I wouldn't do that. I think that, that, that creates more problems or has the potential to create more problems than not. Okay. I was beginning to think I've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> but Oklahoma can have droughts during the winter, and it will cause uh, the earth to kind of separate from your foundation and mm-hmm. sometimes can be a real issue. No, I agree. I agree. But I, boy, having those pipes burst, uh, you know, on on a a time where you have three, four, five days where you've got twenty degrees or less, and those pipes freeze, and sprinklers trying to go off all this time could really create some problems. You know, about twenty five years ago, I did a, I left a sprinkler, one of those that's kind of a rotating, uh, above. It was not a built in sprinkler system. It was a hose with one of those rotating. Uh, three arm sprinklers out in the yard and I forgot to turn it off and it froze people from miles around were coming (laughs) to take pictures of the ice palace Mm -hmm. in our front yard because it was just it was beautiful but we definitely did the uh we replaced the faucet because we knew that that would have frozen inside and caused a problem busted the pipe I think on foundation issues, there's lots of things you can't control, but one of the things you need to pay attention to and can affect is the water around your house. We'll be right back with more on Oklahoma Real Estate On The Move. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate On The Move. Our special guest is Scott Hill with Call Us First Inspections, but now we have our money man on the line. NMLS number 196895. Dean Riddell with SWBC Mortgage. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're doing absolutely fantastic. Now, do you have good news for us? You know, Mark, it's been the last two weeks has been a good news. I mean, we're seeing continuing slippage of the interest rates downward. You know, if you really look at it, we're down about three quarters of a point compared to two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So yeah, things are things are moving in the right direction, and and it, it's a great time for people to be looking to buy a home. At first, uh, I'm going to wait till after the first of the year. So it, it's a uh, the rates are moving. It, it's a good thing in a good direction. You know, uh, Dean. Let me ask you something. The interest rate right now, what is it? it about seven or so. Yeah, six and seven, eight, seven percent. Okay. And we've talked about the 2-1 buy-down where you can buy the interest down for, or someone else can buy it for you. Your seller can pitch in money and buy the interest down to where it's four and seven-eighths the first year uh, and five and seven-eighths like the next year. Right. Before it gets to its term of, you know, six and seven-eighths. But can you buy it down temporarily for just one point and go down? You can do you. Yes, I mean, and that's that's your permanent buy down. But I me mean, or because Becky, you have your interest rate buy down, which is the permanent that you and I have done in our career forever. The temporary buy down is the two one buy down. So you can't so do that just two one point. That you, you can do a one year. A one, it's called a one one buy down. So yes, you can. 
and so that six and seven eighths that you and I are talking about would be five and seven eighths for year one. At, at the you know the end of twelve months, six and seven eighths is their interest rate for the next twenty nine years, unless they refinance. So you can do a one one, which is the one year that you're referring to. You can do a two one, which is what I see most common, and then you can do a three two one buy down. So take your example you just gave me, and I think this would apply to the new construction, new home uh, builders are, are wanting to pay $20,000 of cost. Look at doing that 3-2-1 buy-down where your interest rate on year one would be 3 and 7 eighths, right? Year right. two is 4 and 7 eighths. Year three is 5 and 7 eighths. But it's all about, that's a big number. Uh, that's where that 20000 is probably a, Good number, 18,000, 20,000 to do a three, two, one buy down. Well, 6% of the cost of the loan, right? Right. Okay. Well, there's lots of options if you sit down with a really good lender that knows all the mortgage products out there available to you. So I suggest that you call Dean Riddell. And you can give him a call at 405-858-7770. That's 858-7770. Dean Riddell with SWBC Mortgage. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, guys. Okay. You know, the uh, I guess the best compliment you can give somebody is if you recommend them and say, hey, this is who I like. But mm. when you use them yourself, when I went to get a mortgage, I went to SWBC. So... Call Dean and tell him, treat me as good as you did Becky. <laughs> and and he will do that automatically. He, he, they do that with everyone. We're here with Scott Hill from Call Us First Home Inspections, and we're talking about common issues with different parts of the home. And you divide the home, Scott, into eight parts, basically. Eight and most home inspections do mm-hmm. divide it into eight parts. And the first one's structure. And we talked about the moistness of the soil, keeping the drainage away so it doesn't puddle. And then we talked about the, uh, what was our other thing on structure? Oh, the cracks in the, the bricks. The cracks in the brick, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the roof. That's another high dollar item that you don't want to get wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, the two things that we see most consistently on roofs that... Uh, a lot, most of these things that I put together are things that uh, you need to take care of now from a maintenance perspective if it's an older house. And on the roof, what we see more than anything else is when we get in the attic, we have to look at all the support boards, the support boards, particularly the uh, vertical support boards. And when we see a vertical support board that's eight feet long or longer, it has to be supported by what's called a sister or a uh, uh, stiff back, something that supports that board itself where it runs about three-quarters on in, any side of it. We see that so many times that uh, particularly uh, these builders that are building homes really fast, they go up and they just, it's an expense thing, and they don't put these stiff backs on there, and you just have to have those stiff backs. Over time, that can create a problem of your roof actually sinking. So that's probably what we see more than anything else, particularly on new roofs, which is a little bit interesting. And then the other thing is uh, exposed nail heads when we actually get on the roof and we walk throughout the roof and we see exposed nail heads. And both of you all have seen me do it a hundred times. What happens is uh, they they don't put the right amount of putty on top of the nail head to seal it to prevent 
moisture from getting in through that nail. And so when we see a nail that doesn't have any putty on it, 99% of the time it's rusted. And you can go in and five, six years later, you're going to have a problem underneath your roof because that water has, has been exposed back into the attic. So those are the two things on the roof that we see the most of. That, uh, And most of these things are things that probably are not an, a, an issue today, but over the long haul can be real issues for the roof. Yeah, uh, for sure. And you don't do an insurance inspection on the roof. No. Like you don't say, well, this will get full replacement cost insurance or this won't qualify for full replacement. It'll be actual cash value. You have to depend on the insurance company to do that because they're the ones writing the insurance policy. And I'll tell you, when we sell a house, the first thing before they ever even go for loan qualification, of course, most of ours are already qualified by the time we write the contract, but we send tell them to send their insurance agent out because sometimes that will take a few days or even a week for them to get out there, and there's a given amount of time in a contract to do your inspections. And if you're not able to get that roof insured or you're not able to get it insured for full value, uh, you might reconsider on the home and Absolutely. go find a different house, and that's not going to even cost you a home inspection fee. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of those things we have to be really, really careful of. And, and again, not to say anything negative about anybody, particularly insurance adjusters, but insurance adjusters are like home inspectors. One home inspector might see one thing, another home inspector might see something else. And making sure that your adjuster goes out and actually uh, verifies that the, house, that the roof is insurable is really, really important because you can get three insurance adjusters out there sometimes and get three separate opinions on what can be done. That's happened to us several times. So roofs, very important. Absolutely. What's the next section in the uh, inspection report? Uh, exterior. Uh, this is one that, that's uh, it's really easy, by the way, just so everybody knows. And anywhere, we've talked about this uh, offline and online here, but anywhere moisture can enter your house, either internally or externally, is a problem. And the biggest problem we see is uh, caulking at windows, doors, and garage doors. It, it, water can come in when it's, when it's not caulked correctly. It starts cracking. Oklahoma, so many places, there's sandy loam, and there's going to be settlement in the, in the actual structure of the house. It's going to cause or create some uh, caulking issues or cracks around the windows. Those need to be sealed from a maintenance perspective on a consistent basis. Otherwise, on down the line, it's going to be a real problem. Can you identify the type of caulk is it different for like caulking some holes in the mortar of the exterior and caulking around windows do you use the same product or are they different products they're different products there's more it's more of a sealant uh, uh, that you use the, the caulk around the windows it's obviously waterproof but it can be clear it can be colored it can be different and then what you would use around the bricks around the window is more of a mortar type uh, caulk. We call it caulking to both both uh, both times, but the caulk around the windows is a silicone, I think, uh, uh, more derivative, and it's it's colored. You can use the same color all the way around the house. I've got a question for you, Scott, that I, I do not know the answer, and I've heard two different answers for this. So uh, most of the homes here are built with brick veneer, and there's an expansion gap that's in the brick, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And I've heard people say that needs to be caulked, and I've heard other people say that it needs to be kept clear so that air can come out. What do you recommend? I recommend clear sealant. Absolutely. It's definitely put there for a reason, and the reason doesn't have anything to do with it being open or closed. It has to do with it having an area where the house can move, where that settlement doesn't create any of the step cracks. And so the clear seal coming down through to prevent moisture from coming, and that's the big issue. That's what's going to cause problems over the long haul. So I definitely recommend it. Well, just so you know, you two are talking about two different things. Uh, you're talk- Scott, you're talking about the expansion joint, basically, that goes all the way, like maybe it's under a window or maybe it goes from top to bottom, mm-hmm. and it's a cut mm-hmm. in the brick so that if you have a some settlement, it likely will, will not break the brick. It will just break along that seam, basically, right? But... Mark's talking about a different thing, which is the little holes, one brick thick. And we're going to talk about that when we get back from our break. Weep holes. When we come back on Oklahoma Real Estate on the move. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Mark Carr, team member of the Becky Ivins Real Estate team here with Becky Ivins. And it is time for our word of the day. Our word of the day is brought to you by Robbins Roofing, where their word every day is trust. You can trust Robbins Roofing from a small repair to a complete replacement. Give them a call at 728-3700. That's 405-728-3700. Becky, what's our word of the day? Conjecture. Now, the only I think the only time I've ever used conjecture is in like an algebra class or something. <laughs> and in that case, you know, in mathematics, a conjecture is a conclusion uh, or a proposition that is offered on a tentative basis or without proof. So in the home inspection world, people offer opinions, right? So what what is it? I mean, what is a conjecture, Scott? A conjecture to me in the home inspection business is uh, – uh, Having three insurance adjusters come out and giving you three different opinions—that's <laughs> all conjecture, in my opinion. That's a, yeah, an opinion basically, mm-hmm. or a conclusion formed on the basis of incomplete information. Mm-hmm. So you don't have X-ray vision. That's right, we don't. And you know, our our uh, uh, inspections are based on visual. You know, we can't really turn things on and turn things off a lot of times so ours is uh, has has some conjecture to it quite frankly but that's what we're trained to do and and have to do and that's why we recommend when we come in later on and we find something we always recommend that the higher more specialized uh, uh, person comes comes in and does the evaluation and gives you a better I get clients so upset over that they're going I hired a home inspector and I paid him four hundred dollars and he's just telling me to call in all these experts well that's what we're supposed to do ours is all visual to come in and and do that and we're very careful about that uh, as, uh, again 
I have turned down lots of guys that wanted to come to work for me because they think they're experts in the home inspection business, and you just can't be an expert in the home inspection business, or you can get the entire company and in, 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 have concerns with them. We can't be in. Uh, we cannot, as realtors, hold ourselves out as experts in anything because the only thing we're an expert at is real estate. Mm-hmm. You know. I think all of us in this business, is, if we were psychologists, we'd probably be better at what we are because of the different personalities <laughs> we deal with in the business. So. Right. Okay. So uh, we are covering the exterior and the weep holes. We were going to talk about weep holes. Weep holes is uh, at the very base of the structure, usually in bricks, and uh, it is the second layer of brick, and they're set 33 inches apart all the way around the house. And they're set there for drainage. It's an open area in between two bricks where you'll see the mortar of the rest of the places. Then you'll see this open area, 33 inches. And what happens before they put the brick on, they have the framing or the cladding. And then out over the cladding, they'll put a vapor barrier. And the vapor barrier covers the entire cladding area. And then they put the brick on. Well, there's an area between the brick that they lay and the vapor barrier. And so when moisture gets in there, the moisture can run down in between the brick and uh, the vapor barrier down to those weep holes and come out. So it's a safety issue for that. But those are supposed to be open. We talked about the expansion joint, in my opinion, should always be sealed, but the weep holes should always be open. As a matter of fact, we've called out several times with with one particular uh, client builder where they didn't have weep holes. And in 2015, they actually put in code where where weep holes have to be available nowadays in the building in the external part of the building. But how about a two-story? Do you ever have a weep hole up high? I don't know that I've ever seen a weep hole up up high. Okay. No. So if you see holes in the mortar between bricks, if it's not the intended weep hole, it needs to be sealed. It needs to be sealed. Repointed is the the actual word for it, but yes. Okay. Very good. So that covers our exterior. What's the next section, the fourth section? Well, let's uh, let's jump into um, plumbing. Uh, this is an easy one. I mean, what we, we check, as you all know, we, we always run the water in every faucet throughout the house unless there's we found a quick leak for at least an hour to make sure there's not any backup. And, uh, you know, we, uh, have, we rub our hands over all the drain lines underneath all the sinks and so forth to make sure there's not any small leak. Small leaks lead to bigger leaks, lead to mold. Potentially, so getting those fixed, you don't think about it a lot of times. You see that little drip, and it doesn't, uh, not much, uh, you don't think much about it. And then three years from there, you're spending $14,000 because you got mold underneath your, your cladding in the sink. So that's really important is to make sure you seal those. Drain stoppers, just drain stoppers over and over and over again. Drain stoppers don't work. That's almost always some, and then, uh, the last one, which I really would pay more attention to if I, and I, as I do on my house, you know, water temperatures over 120 degrees. In 10 minutes, exposure to 120 degree all of a sudden creates uh, blisters if you're in at 10 minutes. I know people aren't there, but we, we sometimes test the water temperatures up 100, 140, 150 degrees. So 110 degrees is what's uh, uh, suggested. And certainly if you have children in the house, then, then under 120 degrees. So is that the temperature you set at your hot water uh, system, or is that the temperature that the water coming out of a faucet gets to? 
that's the temp that's the temperature that we measure the water coming out of the faucet. I don't know that there's really any way to measure the degree at the hot water heater. You just kind of have to play with it, and you move it lower or higher to get in, get the temperature instead of being able to physically go out and put it on 120 degrees. What's the most common thing about a hot water system that's tankless? People getting burned because it comes out immediately. If it's set at now a, a tankless hot water heater, you can. You can see it. There's an actual monitor on the front that you can look at, it and it shows you what the temperature is going to be. And that's what it means, tankless. When, it, when you turn that water on, typically with a hot water heater, you can turn it on, and it's going to gradually warm up to a certain temperature. With, the, with a tankless hot water heater, you turn it on, it's going to be 120 degrees right there. And you can set that uh, digitally. digitally. You can set that at uh, the tank. Okay. That, that was one of my favorite things about having a tankless mm -hmm. was that you could set, especially when my kids were very young. Right. Yeah, could, it makes a difference. Yeah, turned it down. Mm -hmm. Do most tankless have a recirculating pump on them? You know, Becky, I don't think so. No, mo most of them, they just go through, and it, it's, it's, it's too quantified within the system where it, uh, uh, that, no, I think the answer to that is no. Okay. Good very question. Good. Very good question for me uh. to really check in on well we found out that ours is i looked in at the tankless system well we've got two of them but the i looked at it and i was going well what is this and i had a plumber there mm -hmm. uh looking at a we had a wet spot in the floor could not figure out where it was from mm -hmm. and it was when the upstairs where the water softener was and it would cycle and drain off water the hose wasn't long enough the drain to go down into the pipe, and it splashed. Oh, goodness. And we could not, for the life of us, figure out where that water in the middle of the floor was because mm, it was not. irregular, <laughs> you know. didn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the worst, isn't it, is yeah. when you have an, an occasional issue, but you can't figure out. It's not a constant. Absolutely. It's so, very frustrating. Very so. frustrating. Uh, let's go to appliances. This is kind of a not a fun one. I don't want to call it a fun one, but it, it's – so people need to know what a high loop is. Underneath the sink, you have a disposal drain and you have a uh, dishwasher drain. Well, those should be attached to the roof underneath of, of the, the sink. And there's, it's, it's called a high loop uh, attachment. And if you don't, if you just let those lay down, then you're going to have backups because you're going to get the drainage and you're going to get something from the disposal or something from the dishwasher that clams up or clogs up those drain lines, and that's, that's a huge one and to be able to do it. And the other one is the anti-tip device. We see this so many times. We just we try to pull the oven, and if you put a 20-pound turkey, you put it in your oven and you cook it, and then all of a sudden you open up your, the, the cover and put that turkey on that cover and don't have an anti-tip device, it could be a safety issue. It could tip right over on you. So those are the two things. And then the, these two, I know, I, I know Mark and I had this the other day, we have, under appliances, we have garage doors. Well, there's laser sensors on the garage doors, which almost always work. But the down sensor, which means that when you hit the garage door opener and close it, it should go down, even if your car is in the way, it hit the top of the car and go back up without damaging your car. Mm -hmm. We find, at, find that that's not adjusted correctly 60%, 70% of the time on our houses. And that's a safety issue. You've got a small kid or a pet or something like that, and that garage door just continues to go on down it should jolt it and go right back up so how should someone so someone might be listening to this going i have no idea whether my down sensor 
How, how is there a way they can test it at home? There is. You you uh, you can you have have somebody hit the the uh, garage door with it open. Have it hit hit it. Go ahead. Make sure you don't stand uh, in between the lasers. And then when it gets about shoulder high, just pop it with both hands. Just pop it with both hands, and it'll it'll adjust and go right back up. If it's otherwise, it'll adjust and it'll, it'll keep going down. It's an yeah. easy adjust, and there you you can fix it at the operating system with a dime or, or a screwdriver. It's not a hard fix. There are stories about the neighbor's cat got stuck under my garage door and killed it. The or the it must have already used its eight of its lives, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, and years ago, decades ago, here in Oklahoma City. We had a child crushed mm. by a garage door, mm. and about an 18-month-old, if I recall. And the reason I knew about that is because I had an agent who used to be an insurance person whose uh, company handled that claim, and they chased it back to, well, who installed this thing, this garage door opener? It was some sort of an issue for the closing, the realtor's husband installed Ooh. it. Mm. And but the garage door openers need maintenance, Absolutely. right? Absolutely they do. So about every six months you need to maintain things like a swing set in the backyard to check it to be sure the there's not a loose screw somewhere and it just collapses on you. And things like a garage door opener, they for safety issues, they just need to be maintained. You don't drive your car more than 5,000 miles without changing your oil. It's the same philosophy. What I love about Scott's report is all his safety things, you'll see him bright red in the report. Hey, this is a safety issue. We'll be right back right here with your smoking hot deal in Oklahoma real estate on the move. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. It is time for our smoking hot deal. Our smoking hot deal is brought to you by Casa Perico Mexican Grill, located on the southwest corner of 122nd and Penn, on 63rd, just west of Meridian, at 505 East Main in Yukon, and now open on May, just north of Hefner Road. I've been there, I think, three times this last week. Uh, you got me. I went twice. Did you? I okay. did. <laughs> uh, our smoking hot deal this week is in Clearview Estates, which is in Grady County, Bridge Creek area. Okay. And it is, uh, it looks like you need to start singing, you know, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house you go, <laughs> because it is, uh, looks like it's bigger, but it's a little over uh, two acres. But when you get an acreage, usually you get a big house on it. Yeah. This is not. This is a smaller house built in 79. It's 1,400 square feet. And it's a, got a three-bed, two-bath, two-car. But it also has a 30-by-30 30 30 shop, hard surface floors all the way through it, Nice covered patio on the back, an implement shed. I don't know how many implements you need for two acres, <laughs> but some of you have stuff and you need a place to put it. So that's always a good thing. Uh, and it's $225,000. So call our office, 722-3232. 
course, we're in the 405 area code, 722-3232, and make arrangements to come see this very unique because it's a small house on an acreage. It's a, a traditional that, built home. Yeah, and this is one of those that I hear so many that go, I want space around, but I don't really need a big house. You don't and sometimes keep, that's hard to find. You don't want to keep up a 3,600-square-foot house yeah. if there's just the one or two of you. Yeah. So... But you still want space around, so that's pretty cool. We're here with Scott Hill from Call Us First Home Inspections. We're going through the most commonly found issues in each section. So, Scott, we went through structure, roof. uh, Exterior appliances and plumbing, and let's jump to electrical. Okay. Electricals, uh, there's uh, two things that really stick out electrical, and uh, one of them is understanding or knowing whether your uh, outlets are ground fault interrupted, GFCI protected. What that means is there should be a GFCI ground fault interrupter at every uh, outlet within six foot of water. And sometimes uh, when you look at your outlets, you can see because they have the little, the two notches in between the outlets uh, where you've, the the two plugs. The reset button. The reset button in between there, correct. But sometime in the new houses, they run that all the way from the uh, panel box, so you don't have those all the time anymore. So when something trips, you have to go all the way out to the panel box. It's really important for us as home inspectors to explain to the clients, and we're starting to see that quite a bit. And then the other thing is that it could be a safety issue with what we call double taps, and we see that all the time when you get a handyman coming in working with your um, a panel box, they'll go out there and they'll put two hot wires into one breaker, and that is a safety issue. And we see that an awful lot. That needs to, anytime we see that, we automatically call for a, a licensed electrician to come in and uh, put that, uh, put both of those into separate breakers. Uh, I'll jump into HVAC because okay. of our time. Uh, the obvious one for HVAC is dirty filters. Again, it goes back to you, you don't drive your car too far without getting. Getting the uh, oil change, and you don't use your heat and air, either one, very uh, more than six months without changing your filters, both from a, a heat perspective and from a cooling perspective. So change your filters at least twice a year. The filters will <laughs> restrict the airflow in your house, and I have seen filters that look like a bowl instead of a solid plane uh, because they've had so much suction on them trying to get air through. And I'm not sure why people don't do this on a regular basis, because it affects your electric bill a lot. It, it affects your electrical bill, and it also, you know, we put on our reports that these units that they put in this day and time, they're, they're built to last 15 to 20 years. And if you change your filters twice a year and do, good ma- or do proper maintenance, have them come out and actually evaluate and do a service is what we call it on, on the units once or twice a year, they're going to last 25 years. It just, it just makes all the difference in the world. You know, my favorite home is uh, my favorite uh, Heat and Air Company is Innovative Comfort Solutions, and they come out twice a year to every property we own and every property that I manage for tenants. They will service that twice a year for a total of $175. That is a great thing. And then they give you 10% off any repairs you need. So it's I, I trust those guys. They know what they're doing. Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest uh, maybe maintenance issues that uh, I would encourage everybody to do. Uh, the second thing on the uh, 
um, heat and air is that we, f we find the wrong size breaker in the panel box for the condenser. You, you have to match that there's a maximum breaker size am amperage that, that it shows on the condenser, which is the air conditioner piece on the outside, and you have to match that with the panel box. So many times that's not matched. That's going to create a trip. Jump into interior real quick. Uh, first thing we find is no thresholds. There is carpet going to manolum or uh, any, any kind of solid floor and not having a threshold could be a trip hazard. And then we go right back to the second thing is caulking on the inside. You've got moisture coming from the outside. You've got moisture that's going to get in the inside, and it's going to create problems. And anywhere there is moisture in intrusion over the long haul, you're going to have a problem. could lead to mold as bad as it gets. Well, and mold is expensive. It is very expensive. Yes. Uh, you know, I had a plumber point that out this week uh, to me in a house I manage that, hey, there's this – Vanity next to the shower adjacent wall, uh, there's a little mold under there. That means you've got a leak in your shower. Yep. <laughs> so, of course, we've got to address that uh, and get rid of the mold. And sure. the mold is, we do have our favorite guy for that, but, uh, and you'll find it on our website, I'm sure. But mold is a big issue. Yeah, everybody it's, thinks mold is right there in that one little spot. But if there's mold that you can see in that one little spot, they're going to take the walls out. They're going to look underneath behind the walls. And sometimes you find it all the way back up, like in a shower, all the way back up to the shower head. Right. And that's expensive. It, yeah, it can be very expensive. Well, Scott, we appreciate your coming on and doing that uh, for us, going over everything. And how do you find a good home inspector? I'm going to suggest that you go to BeckyIvans.com and go to Becky's Favorites and find the home inspector. You can always you'll see him right down there. And if you're concerned about mold, it is Environmental Solutions USA. Wes Anderson is yeah, your he, mold guy. He's great. Uh, it it and, really and is. affordable. Yeah. So. Always a big thing. Thanks for being with us right here on Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. Mr. Jim Ivans, you might sing us out. May each day in the week be a good day. May the Lord always watch over you. And may all of your hopes turn to wishes. And may all of your Come true. May each day in the month 